0: The outline for this morning's message, as usually is the case, is on the back of the bulletin, but I will even give you a heads up on that. Uh, I will be dealing with section one first and section three later, and then the middle section will be the conclusion of this morning's service. First Corinthians chapter 11, I would like to read verses 17 to verses 34. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it for there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat, is it not to eat the Lord's supper? For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. One is hungry, another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God, and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat the bread and to drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason many among you who are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we would judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, Let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the Word of God. We are thankful for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so grateful that many in this room were once darkness and now are light, were once dead and have now been made alive, all because of the grace of God, all because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you've given us the privilege, you've given us the opportunity, while we still breathe life, to come together as a church body to worship you collectively, to reflect on the things that Christ has done and to study the Word of God. And Father, I pray that as we look into the Word of God today as all of the aspects of this worship service together are done, that you would be honored not only outwardly but in our hearts and in our minds, that we would come away from this day changed, even as believers, to be alert, to be ready to worship you the way we ought. And, Father, might this be an open, evident, visual aid to any who do not know Christ, of what it means to come to trust in Christ, of what you have done for us, and just how precious the body of Christ is to you. We commit our study of the word of God with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be preaching from the Word this morning in three parts. The title of this morning's message, as you see from your bulletin, is the Lord's Supper. This is the first Sunday of the month in January. This is indeed the first Sunday of the new year. It is known to us as Communion Sunday. And I want to start the service off with a challenging question to all of us. Did you prepare your heart and your mind today? Were you prepared to come here to Fellowship Bible Church today? How prepared are you? Has your morning just been one of busyness, just trying to get ready physically? A morning of eating, for those of you who ate? Is this just another church to come to? Another service that Sunday, I guess this is what I do on Sundays. Hurry up we got to get there. What preparation have you done? Oh, by the way, it's Communion Sunday. Oh yeah, I hope he remembers. Or, in the honesty of your own heart, was part of the preparation? Oh no, it's Communion Sunday we're really gonna be late today again. I know we'll never get out of here till afternoon for sure. What preparation have we done? Have you and I lost the excitement about what communion is all about? Have we lost the joy of being saved by grace and what Jesus Christ has called us to do? Do we come to services at Fellowship Bible Church without excitement, hoping to be challenged, not looking very much to participate? The text before us, if I have not read this a hundred times, and I'll be honest, I am sure there are people in this audience that when it comes to communion have even wondered when is Pastor Dan going to read a different passage? Is that all he knows? And yet have you ever looked deeply at this passage? Here we are at Communion Sunday, and there was a problem in the Corinthian church. I am in verses 17 through 22 right now. Paul had been addressing questions that they had raised, and you notice in verse 17 he says, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. He's coming to an area that they had questions about. There was a problem in this local church of believers. They had been coming together. Notice that in verses 17 and 18. You were coming together. Now he says it's not for the better but for the worse. But they were coming together. Verse 18. They were coming together as a church. Not a building. They were coming together as a body. They were coming together to meet as the body of Christ. They had been apart from one another. Living in daily worship for the Lord as they should have been. Let's give that the benefit of the doubt, but they were coming together for what should have been an exciting time to be together with other people who love the Lord and anticipating this meeting together. And as was common in the early church, they were meeting together for a love feast. They were meeting together to eat together because they wanted to be together. They were to enjoy a meal together. They were to enjoy the fellowship of other believers, others who are outside of the walls, who throughout the week are struggling, like everybody else. Sometimes we come into Fellowship Bible Church, we have a sense of feeling that we don't measure up, or. I'm not like that other one and we get these false images but I'm going to tell you starting with the person standing in front of you and all of you during the week are out there struggling with work, with family, with health with all kinds of situations in parenting, in marriage in just the struggles of life in trying to live for the glory of God and we come together nonchalantly and many times not even satisfied with whatever we're going to come into anyway. They were coming together, and they met regularly, as was common in the early church, to enjoy the Lord's table like we are going to do today. They were to come together and have the privilege of remembering all that Christ has done and how he had united them together, people who never knew one another, and now had the privilege of not just worshiping on their own and being so independent and so godly on their own, but they now had a sense that there are others, and I'm worshiping with God's family, who I will be with forever. It should have been a tremendous time of celebration. It should have been a tremendous time of unity. It should have been a tremendous time of blessing. Listen, it should have been a tremendous time of caring, sincerely caring, not just shaking the hand, how you doing, see ya, I hope things are great, and never think about, never pray about, never see another person in the assembly the whole week and could care less. Should have been a time of really caring. I've have been praying for you. How's it going? Oh, you've been on the prayer list. I've, I've looked at that prayer list at Fellowship Bible Church, and, I, and I've seen it. I want you to know about prayer. How's things going for you? Because we're coming together, and you're part of the body. It should have been a tremendous opportunity for those in the Corinthian community to look and see these people coming together and the care and the concern and the rejoicing and the excitement so much so that they were inviting others, you've got to come and see what God is doing. And rather than that at the Corinthian assembly, it was an absolute mockery. What, Pastor Dan? Look at it. I should be praising you, verse 18, but I do not. Why? I hear there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. There are factions and groups among you, verse 19, and I want you to know, now listen, a lot of people don't look at this in 1 Corinthians. He says these things have to be, you know why? Because it's going to show who the true believers are. That's what it says. It's going to show those who are approved. It's going to show those who just say they know God and love God. And it's going to show the ones who really do. What is going to show that? The factions, the divisions, the coming together, and how they really worship together. When you eat together... It should have been for rejoicing. But what have you got? You've got drunkenness. You've got gluttony that was going on. And they had despised. Now watch this. It's not my words. Verse 22. They had come to the point in the Corinthian church of despising the church. What is that? They despise the meeting together. They despise one another. They weren't loving and caring about one another. They weren't rejoicing to be together. There were divisions, social favoritism, abuse. Now get this while meeting together in the name of the Lord, oh, they came together. But what should have been excitement and joy, what should have been an outstanding testimony, had become a mockery of the Christian faith, the Corinthian church. That's verses 17 to 22. That's a problem. Well, you say, are you saying that's us, Pastor Dan? No, here's what I'm saying to you. How prepared were you this morning to come together as a body? Did you even think about the fact that Communion was today? Do you come to Fellowship Bible Church out of religious ritual? Because I guess that's what you do on Sundays. And if I don't, there's a chance Pastor Dan might talk to me. Is it formality? Is it just ceremonialism? with no real substance in your life? Are we coming to see what can Pastor Dan challenge me with today? What can I get out of this? And if I don't get anything, it's his fault anyway. Or do we come together to really worship as a body and to really heartly feel the remembrance God has done to us. Do we lend ourselves as we come together to the excitement, not just emotionally, but truly so the world would want to look and not say because of entertainment, but I want that. They truly know God because I see it in the care. I see it how they love to get together. I see how they just want to search the depths of the word. They don't want less of the word. They want more of the word. And that's what I want. Are we too busy arguing, theologically debating, Criticizing one another? And do we sometimes play church like the Corinthians were while doing it in the name of God? I hope that's not the case. Why are we here? Why are we doing what we are doing Is our concern this morning our own social schedule? Our own lives? Or is it truly what God has done in those that are around us? The Corinthian church had lost perspectives. I would like you to start thinking about that I'll be back. But we need to be reflecting also on what we're doing when we come together. The Corinthian church had lost that perspective. They lost it and it's very clear by what Paul had said to them that they lost the whole purpose of their coming together, let alone the Lord's table. I want to take the opportunity right now to go to actually the challenge that was given to them and then we'll deal with the middle section later. But I want you to go down to verses 27 to 34 of the text in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. First of all, this is addressed to believers, it's not unbelievers. We have a tendency to think when we come together, particularly for communion, the Lord's table, that we ought to warn those uh, unbelievers, don't partake of that cup if you don't know the Lord. Well, communion is for believers, and you'll hear a little bit more on that later, and that is because the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood. He came to this earth because God loved man. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. God's love sent his Son because we are all sinners and have come short of the glory of God. There are none who are righteous. No, not one. I am not saved because I was a righteous person. None of you in this room are righteous. We think of man in terms of generally being good and that's the way our society presents it. But from God's perspective, as he looks down from heaven, all men are guilty, they're all liars. All have committed murder in their heart all have committed adultery in their hearts, and on it goes, because it's not just the overt actions, it's the very thoughts and intents of the hearts, and God knows that as well as we do. And God did not want to condemn sinners, but he wanted to save them. So he sent the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the unique one, the only fully God, fully man, so that he who was without sin, while being God with us, born in a stable, which we just celebrated as Christmas time, he grew as a man and went to the cross of Calvary to bear the penalty and price for sin, not to open the gates of heaven so that now if you are good, your good works can outweigh your bad works, and you can win favor with God and hope that he will enter, allow you to enter into heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ went and bore our sins on the cross to satisfy the righteous judgment, which is the penalty of death, to satisfy a righteous and holy God who could not just overlook sin, whose sin was acceptable as a full payment of the debt for sin. So that now the issue, and always has been, is not our winning favor of God, but accepting God's grace. And that is appropriated, it is applied, it is realized in the life when one places their faith in the finished and completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only died and then was buried and rose again the third day, but is now seated at the right hand of the Father, satisfying the righteous judgment of God on our behalf. And when a person exercises faith and places their faith in him, they will be in heaven with God for all eternity. Which is why Jesus Christ said that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, that no one can come unto the Father except it be through him. That is why in man's eyes it is still narrow. It is bigotry. But in God's eyes it is the perfect loving plan of God to provide salvation to all who will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And communion is a reminder. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But as they came together they were to be observing that Lord's table. And the communion services for believers only because they have now become one in Christ. You and I, I happen to grow up in this geographical area. Several of you have. Many of you did not. Many of you never knew one another. But because, as we just sang and as Romans makes very clear in chapters 5 and 6, God's grace was greater than all our sin. There is no sin too great. There is no quantity of sin that are too many that God cannot forgive and Jesus Christ could not pay the debt for. But God in His marvelous grace through the preaching of the word, through the gospel of Jesus Christ has drawn the likes of you and the likes of me to be part of the body of Christ of which Jesus Christ is the head and we are members one of another by the marvelous work of God. So much so that it tells us in the book of Ephesians that the angels still marvel and are learning, to use the word literally, the manifold wisdom of God as they look on a church like this and see what God is doing. That he could get a person like me to love him that he could get a person like me to love you, that he could get people like you to love me and to love one another and to love God. It is only the marvelous work of God that could do that. And the communion service is precious to us. That is why unbelievers don't share in that relationship. And if you're here without Christ, our appeal to you is that your sins would be forgiven by you coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Believing on him and being part of the body. Not an organization such as Fellowship Bible, but part of the true body of Jesus Christ. Forgiven, taken from darkness to light. As the Corinthian church came together, they forgot that. And while this was for believers, he's telling believers that they had made a mockery in verse 27. They were doing it in an unworthy manner. This is not some confessional that you go to people, but it was a matter of examining their life and a a matter of examining how they came together and what was supposed to be accomplished. And in effect, what happened, this is what it means, in case you don't understand, being guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. As believers, they would not lose their salvation. They were guilty of dishonoring the Lord. They were guilty of making a mockery out of the Lord's table. They were guilty of making a mockery out of the purpose of coming together because of the way they were treating one another and the way they were treating the local church. And the result was, and that is the context in case you don't understand it, when it talks about judgment to themselves, the scriptures make it very clear. Those of you that know me well know that I don't rely on my own intelligence are in commentaries. I rely on the Word of God. It explains and interprets itself. What does he mean by being guilty? What does he mean by being in judgment? He tells you in verses 30 and 31, some believers had lost their lives. Some believers were experiencing sickness. That doesn't mean that all sickness is God's judgment. Don't let anybody, in case you're new here today, think that that's what Pastor Dan is saying, not at all. But some were experiencing the difficulties that they were in their life. Examine yourself. Maybe some of the difficulties in our lives are because of the way we're treating one another, because the way we're treating the local church and the body of Christ, and even the communion service. That was happening in the Corinthian church. His point was, he didn't want them To have to go through that. He wanted them to examine themselves. That's what he says. He said, if they would judge themselves, they would not be judged by the Lord, verse 32. And they were to be waiting upon one another, in verse 33. When they came together, their concern was for those who were hurting, those who didn't have even food, caring for those who were sick, caring for others in the assembly. They didn't just come as an assembly to see what I can get, how I can be tickled today. They came to give. They came to realize the marvelous grace of God and to worship collectively with one voice. In song, we need to examine ourselves, realize the forgiveness that God's given us. And what do we do if we find that, you know what? I haven't been as concerned for others in the assembly. I haven't been concerned for the worship services here at fellowship. I haven't been as involved as I should be. I haven't, I maybe have some things that I need to be confessed in my life. What should I do? Get it right. When? Where? You don't have to go to a priest. You have to go to Pastor Dan. Get it right in your heart before God. Psalm 51 is a marvelous reflection on a man who was found guilty before God by the name of David, who came to realize that it is against you and you only that I've sinned. And God, I have not treated you or your people the way I should. And by humbling his heart before God, he said, renew in me a right spirit. Cleanse my heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And that is the type of person that God looks down on. And it was subsequent to that that God said, that is a man after my own heart. Because he wasn't just going to go on and play religion. He wasn't just going to go on and play church. I think it's a healthy thing, not for us to be ritualistic, not for us to create some false image, but to be realistic and to examine why we come together, to examine when it is the Lord's table, why it is that we partake and to take the time to realize that we can be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord in a, as a believer in the same sense as intended with the Corinthian church because even chastening comes into our life because we've lost the joy and the excitement of being forgiven, belonging to God and being members one with another. there are those who forsake the assembling of themselves together but they wouldn't miss a football game there are those who would forsake the assembling of themselves together but would get themselves out of bed to do something else that they really wanted to do to satisfy their own pleasures we need to know why we want to come together there are some who sadly have not even partaken of the Lord's table in months and years because of personal excuses. That is a shame. We need to come back and ask ourselves why we're doing what we're doing and what is happening in our lives. That is not to put someone on false guilt trips, if you're walking with God and your individual walk is right and you come to the services with anticipation of wanting to truly worship God, you to be commended. And you know what? Continue to do it and to be an influence on others because we need one another. This church needed to be brought back, the Corinthian church, to the place where they were truly doing things that they were doing, but not out of routine, but doing them out of their love for the Lord and out of their love for one another, because they were God's representation here on earth, and so are you, and so am I if we know Christ. And if God has chosen to put us in this community in Methuen, Massachusetts as a local body, we are to represent as a shining light to this community what it is to love God, to be forgiven by God, and to love one another, and to come together to worship Him. So I think it's also healthy to not only ask ourselves why we came, but to examine ourselves as to what we're doing and where we are. And as we do that and with that to prepare ourselves The last section is going to be verses 23 to 26 to prepare us so that as we come and partake, fellow believers, of this precious reminder that we might remember He who loved us before we loved Him and that we might partake of this with great humbleness of heart, with great love for Him and His body in great anticipation, as we will see, for His soon return. We've all, starting with myself, been challenged as to why we do what we do, why we come together, and to examine ourselves in the heart of this passage to the Corinthian church is something that ought to cause excitement to us as we get ready to partake of these elements. This is not a ritual. It is not just a church thing to do. It is an exciting thing, and we should come with great joy as a believer for the forgiveness of sins that we have in great anticipation. You've just read the institution of the Lord's Supper from the passage in Luke. It was at the Passover time in which, interestingly enough, the Passover was a reminder to the Jews of how God had redeemed them, how God had delivered them. And in that wonderful context, of which should have been a celebration, the Lord instituted what we now know as the Lord's table, or communion, or the Lord's supper. And it was that, to that that Paul had addressed these problems. And then in the heart of it says this in verses 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, how much love did he have for us? He took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. And then he told us why. We don't gain any merit by partaking. This is not what gets us into heaven. It doesn't draw us closer. God gave us this so we would not forget. He said, do this in remembrance of me. His body received not just the physical pain, but in his own body, according to Peter on that tree, bore the penalty and price of my sin. He then said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said about his body, and then in the same way, verse 25, he took the cup, (coughs) excuse me, also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as ye drink it. Now that can vary. For us, it's once a month and should be so precious. As often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So as we come and prepare our hearts and are about to participate, if you knew or happen to be visiting at Fellowship Bible Church this morning, we will be making our announcements at the end. But I want you to know that we realize that there is no, nothing we can do to satisfy God. This act does not do anything other than a call to remembrance to us, the cost of our salvation the greatness of our Savior, why we come together and who it is that loved us. And we're reminded of that sacrifice. We partake of it together as we will in just a moment. So we remember that we are one with him and one with one another. He gives us his own explanation in verse 26 and with this we close. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup or drink the cup, And here it is, folks. You are proclaiming the Lord's death. We are proclaiming to the world what God did to buy us, how God redeemed us, that while grace is free to us, the cost was great to God. And it's a display to the world. This is the one visual aid that God gives to us as the gospel to be presented to the world, not the other fluff, but communion. But he didn't end there. He then said, until he comes. Remember the passage in Luke? Until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We should be rejoicing. Sobering? Yes. Exciting, absolutely. Anticipatory, without question. We are living in a time and a century in which times may be difficult, in which the economy may not be too promising, in which immorality is extreme to some degrees. But we have a lot to hope for. Because we live for the glory of God, and he is coming again. And then we will see him as he is. And we, of all people, should be excited, even when we come together. So as we partake, remember who you belong to. Remember why we come together. Remember who it is that we participate with and that God has saved them as well as me, as well as you. And might we walk worthy to the vocation to which we've been called. At this time, we will observe the communion portion of the service and partake of the elements. If you're born again, I hope you've been examining yourself and you partake. If you're not, we do ask you to refrain because it doesn't have that meaning to you. And our desire is that you trust in Christ. You come forward now, please, men.